Coming up on the stopping pot, Steph Curry's apex. How much does this ring weigh across his legacy? And does this put him in the conversation with Magic Johnson? Also, talking about the Celtics, their epic meltdown this finals. Draft night, specifically the Knicks, because, yeah, they're disappointing again. So, yeah, we're going to get into it. First things first, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning the championship, and I predicted they was going to win it all in the preseason. Seeing their roster on paper, how they managed to get Andre Iguodala back, even though he barely played this season, the improvement of Jordan Poole, how Steph has been playing, of course, Draymond, when he's on, he's good. And I just knew Clay was going to come back. Even if it was 75% of his self, I just knew that he was still going to be a factor. Not to mention them picking up Gary Payton the second, who was great defensively this year. And great cutter, bringing energy, dunking on people's heads. Kevon Looney playing great in the playoffs, getting all the rebounds, and just the roster all around. And um, I said when they got to the finals, Golden State in five, it went six. So I wasn't too far off with that. But I did say that the Celtics was not going to make the playoffs this year. And for that, I give my hat off to Boston. They really turned around in January and proved me wrong. I thought it was going to be Miami and Golden State in the finals. That was my prediction in the preseason. Miami almost got there. Had a great season. But ultimately, is Boston. And, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really played great this year. But getting to Steph Curry and his legacy, I've been hearing a lot of talk about he's top 10 now and how he basically is the second greatest point guard ever behind Matthew Johnson, which I totally agree with, which I've been saying for a long time that Steph Curry is right there with Magic, basically because there's no other point guard who has accomplished more than Steph at this point. However way you want to look at it, the accolades hold up. So, is he top 10? I would think he is top 10 at this point, based off the MVPs, the four championships, the finals MVP, which it's a crime that this is only his first finals MVP. We know, no no shade on Iguodala, but we know Steph, that was supposed to be Steph's finals MVP. 
Simple as that. But we have to break down Steph Curry's amazing season because he broke the three-point record this year. He got the All-Star game record, All-Star MVP this year. I believe he broke the record for most threes in the All-Star game. He's up there for for the most points in the All-Star game. Then he goes on this whole run in the playoffs where they do the Western Conference Finals MVP now. He got that. He got his ring and got his first Finals MVP. So all that stuff stacked up on Steph's legacy. And that holds a lot of weight. So I definitely think he's top 10, if not top 15. And he's definitely the second greatest point guard of all time. I feel like if we want to rank him top 10, who would we take out? Because on my list, I would say Jordan, LeBron, Kareem. You got to throw Wilt and Bill Russell in there. Got to put Kobe up there. So I said, I said Michael, LeBron, Kareem. Got to put Magic, Wilt, Bill Russell, Kobe. I throw Larry Bird in there. And then it's probably Tim Duncan and Steph Curry. That's how I see it. But let's I'm gonna get this straight. Top three to me is LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, whichever way you want to put it, put it. You know, that's to me that's like unanimous top three. After that, it's honestly a toss-up on what you prefer. And like how you want to like look at things as far as legacy goes, because based off you know like numbers and you know resumes, things like that, you could put Will and Bill Russell up there as the greatest. You could put Kareem as the greatest. So you could put Kobe as the greatest. And honestly, in my non-biased opinion, Kobe is the best player I've seen in my generation. But I know, like, his numbers and his reigns, the MVPs, whatever the case may be, you know, it doesn't hold up to, like, probably Jordan or LeBron. But you you know how things are, you know, with numbers and awards, things like that. So however you want, however you want to sway it, however way you want to put it, I think that's the top ten. Those names I just said. Now, do we call the Warriors a dynasty? Yes, for sure. Because they had such sustained dominance over the over the last few seasons, like since 2015, they 2015, they won the championship. 2016, they won the championship. Sorry, 2016, they got to the finals, lost to LeBron and the Cavs. 2017, they won it. 2018, they won it. 2019, they lost. 
But honestly, they could have probably won it if they was fully healthy. But, you know, things happen. You know, we can't hold that against them. But they have gotten to the finals. So it's five straight years that they've been to the finals, right? 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That's five seasons. 20, they was hurt. Things like that. They take 2021, they made the play-in, but didn't make it. This season, they won it. So that's over eight years, they have been to the finals six times. 16, 17, 18, 19, 19. Yep. So, and they got four rings. They lost twice, and they won four times. To put that in context, the Spurs with Duncan have five rings, and Duncan only lost once. Kobe lost twice, and he got five rings. LeBron has four. He's been to what nine finals, so you have to look at it as a dynasty. And the way that the Warriors play with their unselfish ball movement, player movement, shoot the way you shoot the three, we go, we we have to say that this 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 team may run off a couple more rings probably like if things go well for them they stay healthy and you know everybody's playing how they do now and of course they may add some pieces you know Wiseman is coming back next year so hopefully he can improve their inside presence defensively rebounding and um, they if they're able to resign everybody because that's the thing when it comes to you know, these championship teams, you have to start paying these guys and will they have enough money to pay Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, um, Kevon Looney, um, Wiseman eventually, you know, um, Gary Payton the second. And, you know, I feel like that's mostly like their core at this point, you know, that, that unit I just named. Will they be able to sustain sustain that? And I mean, I feel like the most expendable one will probably either be Wiseman or Kevon Looney. Based off, you know, like having your way you want to look at it, because maybe the Warriors think, oh, we can, maybe Wiseman is expendable and then we can trade him. Oh, and Wiggins as well. You know, you have to definitely have to pay Wiggins. But maybe the Warriors are thinking, oh, maybe we can trade Wiseman for like, top player or some some draft picks because we won it without him so you know maybe we can maybe we can swap him out for some something that will help us in the future you know that we don't have to worry about right now stash away or get another star to like you know help helps you know what they try to do or maybe some good role players on a minimum bargain deal anything like that so and as far as Kevon Looney, you know, Kevon really showed up in the playoffs, so, you know, he they might want to pay him, too. Like, he had a, some big rebounding games against Memphis. And it's just hard to say because the Warriors, they have to pay a lot of people, and we don't know how the roster will look next year. But 
if everything works out for them, they definitely could run off a couple more championships. Now, to get into the Celtics. Jason Tatum, great player. Jason Brown, great player. But I always said, they are wildly inconsistent when it comes to scoring the basketball. Sometimes they look great, and sometimes they look like, what are you doing? Like, like it looks like like you guys don't like you guys shouldn't even be in this position that you are in. And my only knock on Jason Tatum is, which I've always said about Jason Tatum was, I don't want to say the lack of aggressiveness, but the the settling for contested fadeaway jumpers and step backs instead of getting to the basket and getting a foul and or just scoring inside or just posting up your smaller defender like you're 6'9 what 220 I want to say 215 broad shoulders good good height and you know like you you can abuse your opposing matchup on the block you can really do some damage down there if you really decide to like put your head down and go and the settling for the contested jumpers and fadeaways it's it's not working and then when you do go to the basket you're trying to you're trying to ask for a foul and be honest with you during the finals you, he was doing that a lot but we have to also understand you are playing against a championship caliber team which will capitalize on all your missed shots all your turnovers you can't be crying to the ref you get you gotta get back on defense get your head back in the game and play on because the Warriors will capitalize like that and, and next thing you know you're down 30 about to lose the game about to lose the championship so as far as Jason Tatum is concerned he, he I think he just needs to like improve his aggressiveness I guess I have to use it you know like and not complain to the reps and Jalen Brown his thing is Working that handle, man. Just, just working that handle. He, he got it. He can score, but it just sometimes he'd be like, 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 damn, like you're like you are you are that guy, but you don't have that handle to be that guy on a consistent basis. So if he can work on that this offseason. Boston would definitely make a another deep run. Also, I'm a big Marcus Smart fan. But I'm just not sure if he's the answer at point guard long term for them. As far as, you know, being able to get the players the ball in the right positions and like, you know, putting down matchups and putting your putting your players in the right position to score. And maybe that's why Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown settled for these inconsistent shots and you know, these difficult shots because they don't have a point guard who's going to put them in the position to get easier shots. So, I do think Marcus Smart is a great player and I want to see him on this roster. But as far as him being the point guard, I'm not too sure. Maybe in a off-guard position, you know, yes, as a secondary ball handler, probably I can see that happening 
but Boston does have some things they need to address, and I think they do need to get a better bench, and they also need to stop selling for too many threes. They really live and die by the three ball. It's it was a few possessions during during the finals, and it was just like straight like six or eight possessions straight three point shots, three point shots, three point shots, and I'm like, are y'all going to the basket? Or y'all are y'all going to like trying to get a foul? Like trying to make the defense work? Like you 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 giving you making the defense not work. If you're gonna just gonna settle for threes and just jacking them up, contest it, you're giving you you giving the defense a favor. So I think you know that's something that the Celtics need to address. Going into the draft now, I don't know what the hell the Knicks are doing. What are they doing? The rumors were they was going to trade up, and they, they, it seemed like the rumors were they was con- they was committed to getting Ivy. They was committed to it. They was going to go after it. They was going to trade to with the Kings for I guess a player, a couple players with their eleventh pick to the Kings for the fourth pick, so they could get Ivy. That didn't even happen. Nothing. The Knicks ended up drafting um, Osume Deng. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but he's skilled. He's, he's, he looks skilled. He looks good. They got him with the 11th pick, but they ended up trading him to Oklahoma City for more draft picks. And I'm assuming it's going to be future draft picks that the Kings have that sorry that Thunder have acquired over the last couple of seasons. We don't know where them draft picks are going to land up. We don't know who they're going to get with these draft picks. But we, like, with the Knicks, we, we've seen how they need to improve and what they need to improve. And it just seemed like, you know, you had the opportunity to improve this draft and make some moves. You could have traded your pick for a, for a very good player or just traded up for potentially Ivy or another good player, and they didn't do that. They they, they was even able to get Jalen Duran, who was drafted by the Hornets, which is a very good draft pick by the Hornets. And I thought, okay, Hornets needed a big man to, you know, be that president inside, because that's really what they liked this season. So when, when they traded him to the Knicks, I'm like, oh, well, the Knicks just, just finessed the Hornets. That was a good pickup. So I'm thinking, oh, we got Duran. Maybe Mitchell Robinson's not going to get resigned then. Like, okay, cool. That's fine. You know, we, we're, we're doing something. We're doing something. Then you ended up trading him to Detroit with Kimber Walker. And I'm like, yeah, like what, huh? We, what, why? Like, what, 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 is, what was that? Why would you even do that? So, I don't know what the Knicks are trying to do, but I'm not liking it. <laughs> I'm not liking it one bit. It's, it's oh man, it's it's frustrating because I'm literally, I'm literally looking at it on my phone and watching it on the TV. I'm reading Twitter, seeing that, okay, are the Knicks doing something? Like, I'm scrolling and scrolling. 
I don't see anything. I just see, I, I it was a big uproar on Twitter when I, I think it was Shams who reported it. He reported that we're training Timber Walker to the Pistons. So Twitter's just started going crazy. We got Ivy. We got Ivy. We got Ivy. I literally just like once I seen that I seen we got we traded Duran and I was just like hold up when did we get Duran so I had to go do some more scrolling and digging and I seen well okay we traded for Duran and we traded him away I just locked my phone after that I, I just locked it I was just like wow like this this is it this is it I'm done the Knicks are the Knicks are horrible it, it was it was just. It was, it was it was wild. It was blasphemous to me. It was just like, why would you even do that? <sighs> but yeah. I'm just very disappointed in the Knicks. I'm just really shocked again. And I can't even really say I'm shocked because like the Knicks always find a way to mess up a good opportunity. And yes, we of course we did we didn't have the opportunity to get Ivy. I mean, it was supposedly it was on the table or whatever the case may be. Maybe the Kings just didn't agree to the deal. The Kings ended up t- Kings didn't even take Ivy, so which was even surprising to me. And maybe, hopefully, some type of deal will will formulate in the upcoming weeks before the season starts, and we get Ivy. Or we get we we get some type of point guard. We get somebody. I don't know if Brunson is the right fit for us for over with a hundred million dollar contract. Supposedly they're gonna offer Jalen Brunson four years, hundred million, so twenty five million a year for a player who just really emerged with one good season. Yeah. I'm very fickle when it comes to offering max contracts to players who just proved themselves. Make them earn their money first. Not of just one season. Like, okay, he had a great season. You're just going to pay him right away? No, like, let's see if this, this will sustain over a period of time. Like, I've seen this with Nicholas Batum, for example. Nicholas Batum got offered to come to Charlotte for $100 million. He hasn't been the same since then. Injuries hit, you know, and Nicholas Batum always was good, but injuries did always plague him, but to offer him $100 million was, was crazy to me. Same thing with Gordon Hayward. Like, funny how both of those players went to Charlotte off big contracts. Hmm. But with Gordon Hayward, I've always been a big Gordon Hayward fan, but... For them to throw that type of, I think it was like 120 million or something like that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? This guy was only played like 30 games last season. What are you doing? Like, play, play like 60 games in the last three seasons. Like, what are, you, what are they doing? But everybody was trying to tell me, oh, Gordon Hayward is good. He's worth that money. He's, I'm like, yeah, he's good enough for that money, but is he healthy enough for that money? You're not going to tell me that you're going to have a player on a big contract who's not going to play. And Gordon Hayward barely played the last two seasons in Charlotte. So was he really worth that contract? And granted, Jalen Brunson has, he's played a good amount of games and he's played 
great over those over those games. Like he's he played he played seventy nine games this past season, started sixty one of them, and averaged sixteen and five. But you gonna offer sixteen? You gonna offer sixteen points and five assists? Hundred million? Like, huh? Really? Hundred million dollars for sixty points a game? Hundred million should be like at least twenty, in my opinion. Like eighteen to twenty give you some type of value, some great value that's worth worth the contract. Like I can see Brunson being worth like seven and eighty million, maybe not a hundred million, like max money. Ooh. And then and then now Aiton is supposedly looking for that contract, and I would say this about Aiton, like I'm I'm also a big Aiton fan, and I think for the Suns. I think they should pay him. I think he's worth the hundred million because he is a walking double double, and he has he is your inside presence that has helped you get to the finals and helped you get the franchise record and wins this year. He's coming off a season where he averaged seventeen and ten, so and he's he's been playing good the last few seasons. Like he averaged what fifteen and ten the season before and eighteen and eleven. The bubble year, rookie year, he was getting 16 and 11. So I can see him, like, for the Suns' case, he's worth the 100 million, even if they don't want to pay him. But, you know, I can see why they would would offer him. Plus, size really matters. Like, you, you got a seven footer who, who can score, who has a nice touch around the rim, a nice jumper, and can rebound. You know, you can't teach stuff like that. So, hundred million makes sense to me. Jalen Brunson, hundred million, I don't know. I just hope the Knicks can do something, whatever the case may be. But yeah, um, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, the Stop and Pop. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, sponsored by Anchor, of course. And thanks for listening.